Well, we won't be watching the Broncos this afternoon. That kind of will relieve a bit of stress not having to do that again. But you know, this time, you know, usually what I do is I have a backup team. And um, so I pick two good teams. Broncos always been my team. And my, the Packers, I know that may be troubling to you, but like my backup team, well, they're both out of it. And uh, so now I have to watch all the other teams play. And I was reading through the uh, news and saw how many coaches are uh, now looking for new jobs and how teams are looking for new coaches. And uh, one of those, it was interesting because, do you remember who won the Super Bowl last year? Okay, most people don't. The, Ram, the Rams won. And do you know who their coach is? Sean McVay, 36 years old. Just a few years ago, he was in his early 30s, I think 30 years old, coach of the year in the NFL. 36 years old, wins the Super Bowl. This year was almost a complete disaster for him. And he's now thinking of retiring at 36. And there's a lot of conversation going on about this type of thing. And the reason for that is burnout, worn out, exhausted, whatever, whatever you want to call that. And this is not new. It, it is not a rare thing in, in many professions. Most of you will recognize legendary uh, coach and broadcaster John Madden. Uh, John Madden, when he retired, had the highest winning percentage in the history of the NFL. But after he won the Super Bowl and was still 42 years of age, he's, he said, I'm done. He said, I have got nothing left to give. He described it this way. He said, I want to find out if there's more to life than being a football coach. I have a notion there must be something else. I've coached for 19 years, worked at my job every moment I'm awake. I don't have bait hobbies. I don't hunt or fish or play golf. I don't have a garden. I don't know how it is to live like anyone else. And this is a good time to find out. So what's it like when a person gets completely worn out, completely exhausted? And whatever you call it, I don't know if there's going to be a medical term for it, but I think most of us have been there or have been on the edge of this. And this is the story we find Moses in. We're doing a series on the life of Moses. Moses is regarded as probably one of the greatest leaders in all of human history, um, spiritual or secular. And we've titled the series Face to Face because what is most unique that I find about Moses is he knew God. I mean, he accomplished a lot of great things, but he knew God in a face-to-face -face relationship. And so in, in many ways, he's a model. We learn from his life, and we're going to learn something in chapter 18 that I think is going to help us as we face the exhaustions of life. So I'm not going to read the entire chapter. That's one of the things when you're in the Old Testament. If I, if I read the whole chapter, it would take quite a bit of time, but I'm going to hit some highlights um, through this story. I'll begin by reading the first five or six verses here in Exodus 18. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And in judging, it was, it was more giving counsel. He was, 
He sat at the, at the uh, gate, if it was a city, but for them it was just where their community was. And he advised people, help make decisions. And the people stood around Moses from morning to evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is it that you were doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another and I make them know the statutes and laws of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So I've titled this message, Living Without Margin. What is margin? We talk about margin or space. Medical doctor Richard Swenson, who's a practicing physician and also a professor at the University of Wisconsin, I had the chance to actually meet him and spend time with him, has written on this subject extensively. And here's how he defines margin in your life. It is the space between our load and our limits. So this is what I'm doing, my load, and this is what my limit is. The problem is, for many people, they're the same. The load we carry is really all we can do. And if you keep doing that, pretty soon you can no longer function. You get to the place of what we call a burnout, worn out. This is what Moses' father-in-law is warning him about. So why do we need margin? Why do we need space? We need space to get refreshed, replenished. It's like sleeping and eating, being renewed. And I liken it maybe in a practical sense to your bank account. And, you know, we, we earn money and then we distribute it. I remember reading a book uh, years and years ago. It says, when you get your first paycheck... Uh, give 10% to God, put 10% in long-term savings, and then 10% in short-term savings. And the first time I read that, I thought, I can't live on 70% of what I make. <laughs> you think that way? But it, it's just wise, it, wise advice because financially it creates some margin for you. You know, if you make $100 in a day, a kid gets a new job, makes $100 and goes out with his friends and spends $120, does that every night, pretty soon you're running a deficit. And it's possible to do that in every area of your life that needs energy. Your, your mind, your body, your emotional state, um, all of these things. And, and of course, spiritually. And so... The name of his father-in-law is Jethro. We'll meet him in just a moment. But what he's saying is, Moses, if you're going to lead these people, you have to have margin. You need margin, one, because you need to provide a good example. Everybody else needs that, too. 
So this morning I'm going to kind of hit two areas. One is the condition uh, that, that he's in, and then the counsel that he receives. So the condition of those living without margin, like Moses, uh, is he says, and this is kind of a, I don't know if you've ever had someone come to you saying, um, you're thinking you're doing really good, and they say, what you're doing is not good. And I think, what in the world? Here I am. That's how we kind of get a little bit ticked sometimes at people is because I am, I am slaving. I am working. I am pouring out my life. I am serving Almighty God. I'm serving all these people. I am so selfless. You can see how Moses, and then his father-in-law says, it's not good. What do you mean it's not good? Well, in, in one sense, what he's doing is good. He's helping people. He's serving God, telling them what God says. So it'd be really easy for your potential burnout to be a blind spot you don't see. You feel justified. You feel noble about all the hard work you're doing, but you're running a deficit. So I think first to understand a theology, what we call a theology of work. Now, when I say work, um, a lot of times people go, oh, that's part of the curse. <laughs> um, no. Um, sweating on the, your brow and thorns and thistles in the field are part of the curse. Work is actually a blessing. Just like for women, having babies is not a curse. But having them in pain, the pain part is the curse. So work is a gift from God. And did you know that Adam and Eve were working? They were working before the fall. And when we get to heaven, we're going to work. And it's going to be work we love 